35 to 41. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Um, I'd like to introduce Pastor Susan. Pastor Susan is the director of our education ministry at this church. I had the opportunity to get to know her uh, before coming to, he, uh, to this church where she did a seminar at the church that I was at. And she has a wealth of information. And I really do believe you are so blessed to have her here, someone who has been committed to the education, to the ministry at our church. And you've seen the fruit of her ministry generation in and in and out. Uh, kind of just bearing the fruit, and so we're so thankful for her and her ministry. Today, I'm going to talk to you guys from Mark chapter 4, verses uh, 35 to uh, 41. And it's about, we you guys read the Bible passage together with us, right? When Pastor Jonathan was doing the Bible story passage, reading, sermon reading, well, we're talking about Jesus and how when Jesus was called and he went and he spoke to a great number of people. And as he spoke, he, I think he got tired because you remember that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so because he was tired, he decided that he needed a rest and he told his disciples, let's get on the boat. We're going to go across and let's uh, go to our next location. As they got onto the boat... Jesus was tired, so he decided that he needed to sleep. So he went down to the bottom of the boat, and he went to sleep. But while he was sleeping, what happened? How many of you guys remember? What happened? Yes. Yeah, a big storm came, and a huge storm came, and it started rocking the boat. How would you guys react if there was a big storm all of a sudden rocking the boat that you were on? Like the wind started blowing, the water came over the boat, you're getting wet. How do you think you guys would react? Would you be like, oh, it's okay, we're good. Is that how you would be? No. Wouldn't you be freaking out? And that's exactly what the disciples were doing. They were freaking out. They were screaming, oh my goodness, we're all going to die. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they're probably like trying to bail out the water from the boat. Some of them were hanging off the edge of the, of the boat, maybe puking right? They were scared. They thought they were going to die. And then they all said, hey, where's Jesus? So they ran downstairs and they said, teacher, teacher, don't you care if we're going to die? How do you think Jesus reacted? What does the Bible say? What did the Bible say? He just got up. He walked out and he said, what did he say? Yeah, quiet. Be still. And then what happened? What happened? 
What do you think happened next? Yes. Yeah, the sea calmed down. And can you just imagine, what do you think the faces of the disciples must have looked like at that time? Show me. Show me with your face. Yeah, yeah. Mouths hanging open, eyes big and wide. And they're like, who is this person? Who is Jesus, boys and girls? Who's, who is Jesus? Yes? Yeah, the God's son. Jesus was God's son. And there's something that we have to remember all the time. And sometimes we forget that sometimes in life, so why do we know, why is this story being told to us? Because sometimes we forget who Jesus is in our lives. Sometimes we forget, and just like the disciples, they didn't, rem- they didn't know who Jesus fully was because he was just beginning his ministry, and the disciples were just getting to know who Jesus was. They didn't realize that Jesus was God's son, And sometimes in our lives, even though we read the Bible, and even though we come to church every Sunday, when big trouble happens in our lives, sometimes we forget who Jesus is. Did you know there was an actual study done about the effects of the Word of God, so the effects of the Bible, on a person's brain? Did you know that? And the study found that people who read their Bible at least three to four times a week, their brain mapping changes, that the dopamine levels in their brain, the dopamine is something that helps us to feel happier and less depressed, it actually increased, and that people felt less stressed and less anxious. The Bible tells us In the book of John, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Who is the Word, boys and girls? Who is the Word? Yes. The Bible. But who is the Bible? Who do we, who does the Bible say is the Word of God as a person? You remember? Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. And because Jesus is the word of God, when we read the Bible, we're getting to know who Jesus is. Does that make sense? So every day, if we read the Bible and get to know who Jesus is, whenever a big storm comes our way, and whenever we feel like we're being rocked out of our safe place, we have to remember that Jesus is there with us and that he's taking care of us. And that all things are in God's hands. Does that make sense? So we're, when we accept Jesus into our heart, does that mean our life will be hunky-dory, fine and dandy? No. When we accept Jesus into our heart, it means that he gives us the safety and the protection to walk through those storms. Just as God, just as Jesus protected the disciples in the storm on the sea. Do you all understand this? So, how many times should you read your Bible? 
Remember what we do every day. Let's do it together. Are you ready? When should we read the Bible? We should read the Bible every day at the same, in the same, yes. We need to read the Bible. So parents, I say this to our children every Sunday so that they memorize it. I ask them to read their Bible every day at the same time in the same place. Uh, and the reason we ask the students to read their Bible at the same time in the same place every day is so that it develops a pattern of discipline. Um, and so one of my parents actually came up to me and they said, Pastor Susan, after you did this, I found my child under the bed and the fiend <laughs> coming out of the bed. And so the mom's like, what are you doing under the bed? And she goes, this is the only place where I'm alone. And so she cleared out the hole underneath of her bed to take her Bible and a little flashlight. Uh, and she went under her bed to read her Bible every day, every night. And she said, you know, it's, it's funny how this child who was scared of the dark decided that the darkest place she would go was under her bed to read her Bible every day at the same time, in the same place. So I hope that we all do it together. And in the season of Lent, uh, that our families read the Bible together, read the Word of God together, and that we will commit to getting to know who Jesus is in our lives. Thank you. We're going to pray, and then we're going to... Do you want to share a prayer request? Oh, yes. Um, if I can just ask for parents in this time to pray for us, and people who are sitting here in this congregation, even if you don't have children, if you can pray for our next generation, they're being bombarded with so many messages that are confusing them, the messages of their identity, messages of culture, and really, it is only the word of God that is going to keep them stable in this life. Uh, can we pray that our generation will stand firm on the word of God, that they will be transformed by the word of God and not shaken by the storms of this life and the culture that is being uh, given to them through school and through uh, media and through their communities. And then secondly, if you can pray for our uh, volunteer staff, uh, that they will continue to be encouraged, uh, even though they are in places. We've had uh, parents who volunteer at the 1130 service, and because children's ministry is in the basement, uh, once in a while they get the message of, oh, we thought you left our church, because they are so uh, involved with the children's ministry, they don't get to be involved with the adult ministry often. And sometimes they feel overlooked or um, unrecognized. So if you can just be uh, prayerful for them and help them to be encouraged in the ministry that they have in, in discipling our next generation. So we'll take this time to pray right now. Okay, and Pastor chung will uh, close in prayer for us. And parents, if you're sitting with your children, you can bless them and lay hand on them and uh, pray for them. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you for reminding us that unless you become like a little child who depends on their parents for their need, you cannot enter God's kingdom. God, we have so much to learn from children, how they trust, how they lean on you. Thank you, Father, for blessing our church with all these children, whether it's our own children or at home or our own children at church. We are so grateful, Father, for entrusting the next generation to us. Father, forgive us for the times when we forgot the gravity, the privilege, the responsibility that we have as older brothers and sisters, as parents, as uncles and aunties, to pray for them, to encourage them, to guide them and lead them. God, we need your help. We need your guidance. We need your grace. We need your power so that when we face storms of life ourselves and as a family, as a church, and when our children face storms of life, we may, as we heard, as we learned, and as we was reminded again, that we will fix our eyes on Jesus, that we will know you, Jesus. God, help us to know you together in our families, in our church, and where you bless and strengthen all the parents who are discipling their children at home, all the volunteer teachers and our pastoral staff who week in and week out love our children and shepherd them alongside parents that you will anoint them and fill them with your Holy Spirit. God, may this church be a place where children grow up to know you, to love you, to trust you, to worship you, to follow you, and to spread your love and your truth, the good news with those around them. So we, th we thank you, Father, for all that you are doing and all that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Susan. So children from grades five and under are all dismissed. You can follow your teachers. You can follow your directors or pastors. If you would like to stay in the sanctuary with us, we still have about 20 to 25 minutes that we will worship here. I will continue with the message from the same passage. So this passage that Pastor Susan preached from, I mean, that was a a message that we can take home and apply to ourselves. Um, just as children are reading their Bible uh, daily, at the same time, at the same place, uh, if we as adults can do that as part of our own discipleship, I trust that you and I and the family and our church will grow uh, and mature and bear fruit. So let's, let's do that. Let's do that as a church family. Uh, and I know that it's not easy if you do it alone. It's so much easier when you do it together. So I know life groups are doing it together, encouraging one another. We have morning prayer going on, especially during this 40 days. We have 40 days of prayer during Lent season. So uh, I, I do encourage you to join in. Now, if you look at the passage, um, Jesus, after a long day of teaching, tells disciples, let us go across to the other side. That's what Jesus asks or invites his disciples after a long day. Let us, let us go across to the other side. Jesus does not say, you guys go. 
he says, let us go. Uh, the other side, the phrase the other side is quite important in this passage because if you read on, Jesus leaves his comfort zone, his hometown, to go to the other side for mission. So the phrase the other side signifies a missional direction of Jesus' life with his disciples. It's so easy to settle. We all want to be comfortable. We don't want trouble. That's our default. That's my default. That's your default. That's most of us who want to live comfortably. And then we become complacent. We live, but we're not really living. We're not thriving. But gospel is a movement. It has the missional movement. So Jesus doesn't stay in a comfort zone. He goes across the lake to the other side. So the question this morning, I have some questions for you to think for your own life, your family, and for the church. Where is Jesus inviting you to go, us to go? Because again, gospel is a movement, has a movement dynamic. So if our default tendency is to settle and be comfortable, most likely there will come a time, maybe even today, that God is inviting you, let's go. Let's go across the other side. It's an adventure. It's a journey. Now, when we do go on a journey with Jesus, on a mission, as Pastor Susan reminded, as the story shows, it's not guaranteed that everything will be hunky-dory, easygoing. In fact... As we embark on this missional journey with Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we will be faced with storms and sometimes great storms. So in verse 37, it says, A great wind storm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. And of course, where was Jesus? He was at the back, in the stern, tired, asleep, on the cushion. Jesus is peacefully asleep, and the boat was tossed to and fro, and they were scared to death. Some of you are going through the kind of storm now maybe this past week, this past season. Some of you know people that you love who have been going through storms of life. All of us will go through some kind of storm and you may face great storm in your life. I received an email from a member this week for prayer and for wisdom. A family member just found out this past week that she has multiple organ lesions. 
Her mother has dementia. Her sister has been suffering from terminal cancer. Can you please pray for me and for the family? And what can I do in this situation? If I reflect my own life and you can reflect your own life, think about your own family, your life situation. You know, it doesn't take much. Sometimes it just takes one person in your life to stir things up. It could be your spouse. It could be your child. It could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be your mother. It could be your mother-in-law, your colleague, your boss. To stir things up and sometimes like a great storm. And especially when we are involved with missions work. Uh, Missions is not sexy. It requires, it demands us to be courageous because we will face many storms. And and, And the spiritual pressure that we live as Christians in the world It's no joke. In fact, Bible uses the word flip this. It's usually translated as affliction or tribulation. Literally, it means pressure. The old age of sin and death is still the reality now. Temptation is real. The devil is real. Sickness is real. Death is real. That's the old age. And we are still living in that old age. But Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of God is here. I have brought God's kingdom. And so the new age has come. And we are living in between the two ages. The old age of sin and death and suffering and darkness. And the new age of new life and hope and peace and joy. And we are squeezed. That's a pressure. That's flipsis. That's affliction. That's tribulation. That's a given. It's normal. That's why in, in John's gospel, Jesus says, in this world, you will have flipsis. You will have affliction. You will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Paul says in his letter, In 2 Corinthians, I don't want you to know, brothers and sisters, of the affliction, the flipses, the pressure that we experienced, for we were utterly burdened beyond our strength, that we despaired of life itself. Some of you may be sitting today or know someone in your life with that kind of stress, distress, pressure, affliction. Paul says in other letters, 1 Thessalonians, let no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. So again, what do you do when we are faced with storms and waves are coming into the boat and you feel like dying, sinking, drowning. Well, in the story, as you heard, disciples don't just grab buckets and 
try to get the water out of the boat, they cry out to Jesus out of desperation and frustration. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing, that we are drowning, that we are dying? And then comes Jesus' response. And if you, th- if you think about Jesus' response, and if you think Jesus is like, he's just a good teacher, you know? He's a good man. He's a good rabbi. Or he was a good godly man or prophet. You cannot live with that understanding of who Jesus is after really getting this story because he simply uses, I mean, the original language is two words. Shh! Shut up. (laughs) That's literally what it is. The language is, shut up! Sorry, that was an S word that I tell my kids not to use at home when they were younger, but... uh, Literally, she said, shh, be silent, be still. He doesn't conjure up a higher power, like in the name of God, I say. He doesn't say that. He directly speaks to the wind and the waves. It's off the chart kind of power. He doesn't panic. He just speaks. And then he looks at his disciples and says, why are you so fearful? Literally, he says, why are you cowardly? How come you're so timid? Don't you still have no faith? How come you don't trust me? How come you don't respond to the crisis with confidence in me? Do I not care? I do care and those whom I love will go through storms. And we ask why? Like Jesus says, let's go across to the other side. Disciples take Jesus together with them and then they meet storm. And so they go through this incident, and we ask, like, why, why does it have to happen that way? And here comes really the point of the message, the main point of the message. Great storm leads to great calm through the word of Christ, which reveals great God and and. And there's this word that gets repeated, great storm to great calm to great fear. And the fear that they experience, they're terrified in the presence of Jesus who calms the stone with words out of his mouth. That fear, that, that awe is so much greater than the fear that they had when they were met with the storm. So this is, this, is, this is what we see in, the, in this passage. Whenever we experience great storms of life, it is a great gateway 
to experience the greatness of God. Whenever we experience great storms of life, and many of you, as you are hearing this, can relate. When you think back of the times when you were faced and when you experienced great storm and how you met God out of that experience. During COVID, uh, we didn't see that coming. In a sense, it was a macro level great storm for all of us globally. So many challenges. We had to figure things out. But I remember one morning as we were having our staff morning Devo together, it was Pastor David who shared his wonderful spiritual insight, which he shares with our team every so often. And the phrase that he used was, this much more we experience God. Because of COVID, let's say there was no COVID. And life just kind of went on. Same old, same old. We would not have experienced the God that we experienced during COVID in the way we did. We would not be praying every day without having experienced COVID. God did something so seismic. Personally, as a family, as a church family, global church, through the great storm, COVID. And I'm, I'm looking at this room, and I know some of your lives and the kind of storms that you guys have gone through, some of you like 10 years ago, some of you like last year, and you literally felt like, I'm dying. But somehow by God's grace, you had a faith that is small as mustard seed, and you clung unto God, and others around you rallied in prayer, clung unto God with you, sometimes when you weren't even able to pray, or you weren't even thinking of praying, did you know that there were people praying for you? And you you experience literally a salvation or healing or restoration, whether it's sickness or some kind of a deep, deep wound or brokenness in your life. Great storm, when Jesus steps in, becomes a great opportunity to encounter great Christ. Now, when when, when the disciples experience that, that awesome presence of Jesus, they are filled with great fear, and they say to one another, whoa, 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 who is this? I mean, it's not like they didn't know Jesus. But because of the great storm and the great calm that they experienced, they have come to realize that Jesus is so much more than just a good teacher or prophet. He is unmatched. He is equated with God himself. He can't just be a prophet. He's more than a prophet. 
Prophet does not control nature. Jesus proves himself with this action, with this power of his word, that he is God. He is Lord. He is the master. He is the ruler. He is the king. The king, Jesus, brought kingdom of God when he came. And it's a good news because that means it's not the great storm, anything or anyone in your life that is the Lord of your life. If Jesus is Lord, that's a good news. You know, in fact, at the heart of the good news is that Jesus is Lord. And he is a good Lord. And every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Again, the disciples became more terrified in the presence of Jesus than they were in the storm. And you ask why? And this is what Tim Keller says They were terrified in the presence of Jesus more than they were in the storm because Jesus is unmanageable as the storm itself. Disciples, we cannot control storm. We cannot control Jesus. The difference between storm and Jesus, however, is that storm doesn't love you. Storm does not care for you. But Jesus, who is unmanageable, he's Lord, he loves you, and he cares for you. He is Lord, and it's a good news because he's a good, good Lord. Jesus ultimately goes to the cross. He's thrown into the ultimate storm, ultimate wave of sin and death on that cross, takes it all to himself and shows that this is how much I care for you. So if we truly know that Jesus, who not only calmed the storm with his words, but who took the ultimate storm to himself when he died and when he rose again, we will never be able to say he doesn't care for me. He does care for you, care for you enough to die for you. Let's pray together. And as we reflect and pray, I want to give you some time before we sing the response song, Cornerstone. Um, Who is Jesus to you today? You may be asking, who is this Jesus? It's my prayer that as you experience especially storms of your life, that much more you will experience Jesus. And that's what Jesus delights to do. Jesus doesn't panic. Jesus cares for you, cares for me, cares for us. Sometimes we, want, we do wonder, does he really care for me? Does he really love me? If that's the case, why is this happening to me, to my family, 
And some of you, your journey to the other side of the lake hasn't been, hasn't been done yet, hasn't come to an end yet. The journey continues, the adventure continues. So I invite you to, wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, I invite you to come to him now. And if you are yet to come to acknowledge Jesus' lordship, kneel down before him. If you were to control your own life, and maybe you, some of you, you've been trying to do that. Sometimes it works out, other times it don't. And it will ultimately not work out because you're never meant to have control over your life. You're meant to live under a good lordship of God who created you and loves you. Jesus who loves you and cares for you. Enough to die for you. So I do invite you to surrender your life to this Jesus who not only calms the storm, but it will walk through the storms with you. So Jesus, we pray that you will awaken us from our spiritual slumbers. And when you call us, let's go. Let's go to the other side. Let's go across the other side. God, grant us faith and courage to go with you and not to stay, stay behind. Oh, I like this. I like this comfort. God, we know that there's so much more to this life than to live comfortably. Break the chains, oh God. Break the chains of complacency, oh God. That we may be released and reactivated to live a life in its fullness, oh God. On mission with you, experiencing you, There's so much more, brothers and sisters, especially I want to pray for the younger brothers and sisters in this room, that there's so much more for you to experience, not just in life, but about God, but also older brothers and sisters. Let's not settle with our knowing of Christ. God, cause us to arise. For those of you who are aware, about a year ago, there was a, what they call a mini revival in the university or the seminary um, down south of the border in Asbury. And um, prayer movement broke out of that place and spread across the nation and other nations even. And recently I I was told that uh, the, the movement of the spirit hasn't ended. And at the end of that 16 or 17 days of prayer, Um, which was filled with over 1,000 Gen Zs, young people, university students. One of the last words that were spoken by one of the leaders in that prayer gathering was, was that young people 
students, you will not, you will not be known as a generation of depression or suicidal ideation or addiction. A lot of spiritual ch chains, the, the bondage was broken that day. People were released to love God, to love one another, to pursue something that is worth giving their life to. And God, that's our prayer today for not just the next generation, but for all of us. The waves, the sea actually represents back in the days, evil, the forces of evil, and Jesus' words breaks right through the storm. So God, we pray for that, that release of your power and anointing on your people, that we will not live under fear, but live with freedom, even in the midst of sickness, even in the midst of hard marriages, or even if... Even, even after divorce or even after a traumatic experience, God, we know that it takes time for healing. And so Jesus, may you heal us and we long for the day when you will wipe away every tear from our, our eyes. But until that day, we know that you constantly invite us to come, let's go across to the other side. Let me reveal myself to you. I'm going to journey with you. So Lord, will you continue your work as our Lord, as our Savior? We thank you, Jesus, that you are Lord. Not Satan, not death, not sickness, nobody, no situation, but Jesus, you are Lord, and you are a good Lord who gives us life and hope. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and love of God our Father and the fellowship and comfort and empowering of the Holy Spirit be with all of God's people now and forevermore.